morning quarterbacks episode three super bowl week we're gonna get some hot takes on the super bowl starting with philadelphia's own toby house take good it to away see you guys good to see you guys good luck this week milk you got you got a home Thanks, team there's there's absolutely no reason you should lose this game um but let me let me let me tell you what i think are the keys to this game I think for starters, you know how Tampa's defense feasted last week on Aaron Rodgers because the left tackle is out. Well, it's deja vu all over again. Eric Fisher's out. Left tackle is out. The right tackle, who is also a fill-in, is moving over the left tackle. So my first number is Mahomes three and a half sacks over or under. If it's over three and a half sacks, I think the Chiefs are in trouble. That means they've contained him within the pocket and they've got him on the run. If he keeps it under three and a half sacks, that means he's out of the pocket. He's scrambling. He's at his best. Second, Brady has not had great fourth quarters of late. He honestly was terrible in the fourth quarter against the Packers. I can tell you he was terrible in the fourth quarter against the Eagles in Super Bowl 52. If you want to any walk down memory lane on that. Watch, you know, yeah, watch Brady's fourth quarter completion percentage and quarterback rating. If it's poor, the Bucs lose. Third, if the Chiefs' time of possession is greater than 25 minutes, they're winning the game. And the reason is not because it keeps Brady off the field. But the Chiefs are quick strike team. They, you know, have long bombs to Tyreek Hill, you know, to their speed receivers. But if they start doing sustained drives and they can score either quick strike or long sustained drives, I also think the Bucs are done for it. The Brady quarterback has to be better than the Bucs wide receivers. I feel like as of late, Brady's throwing the ball up and he's letting his wide receivers make the play. And the best catches in the game against the Packers were phenomenal catches by the wide receivers. But I don't think you can count on that play after play after play. I think Brady has got to make the throws that are there to the receiver, not the receiver making phenomenal catches. But in the end, Tyreek Hill is your MVP. He turns it on again. And the Chiefs win Super Bowl 55, 38 to 27. And Milk, I'm right here with a hug for you. Oh, right wow. here with your hug. Oof. Wow. That is All right. painful to hear. All right. That's well, that's that's your uh that's your take from your Eagles fan. Let's let's walk it backwards in uh NFC East Super Bowl winning teams. And that brings up uh Rooster. The last team to beat Tom Brady in the 
Super Bowl, I believe. Um, uh, am I wrong about that? There's a team called the Eagles. Are you really doing this to us? Just I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, hey, Milk, is AB going to be playing in this game? I think he'll be back. Oh, okay. All right. So, look, I struggled with this because the Chiefs looked so overwhelmingly good against the Bills. Um, but, you know, guys, as Brian has been saying all year long, guys like Tyreek Hill are up and down a lot. Tyreek Hill is not as consistent as he could be. And I agree, I agree with, with House that time of possession is going That's to be why I very, traded him. very important in this game. Because if you think about it, the Chiefs have the number one passing offense this year. The Bucs have the number two passing offense. The Chiefs don't run the ball. The Bucs do. The Bucs have a really good offensive line. In fact, I wish the Giants had taken works over time. That guy is a damn good pass blocker. And they just have a good offensive line. And I just think playoff Lenny is going to be the difference in this game. I really do. The Bucs are going to run the ball. They're going to run to set up the pass. And their defense has got to tee off on a right tackle playing left tackle and a second string right tackle. Um, I, I do think that uh, JPP and Barrett are going to have big games. And I'm going Bucks 31, Chiefs 28. Wow. Yep. There you All go. Right. There you go. Pope from Big D, what do you got? Well, you know, here I am in Big D, reminiscing uh, over a quarter century of not being in the big game, and it's quite quite frankly getting quite tiring. I've got five Lombardis behind me, if our fans could see. And I'm, it's a uh, lot of cobwebs on those Lombardis. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I'm kind of living in the past here, but... I tell you what, I, I think in, in breaking it down, um, you're right, Rooster. I've been up and down on Tyreek Hill, which is why I may have traded to your fantasy team at some point during the year. But I do think that he is going to be uh, impossible for them to contain. He's he's taken it to the next level. Uh, if you look at their Week 12 matchup, which Kansas City won 27-24 in Tampa, basically this is a repeat of that game. Tyreek Hill was 13 catches for 269 yards and three touchdowns. They could not come close to stopping him. So let's say hypothetically they they sell out to try to stop Tyreek and put a cover corner on him and, and a spy or whatever else they want to do. The X factor here is going to be McCole Hardeman. Yep, same guy who dropped a, uh, a punt resulting in a quick touchdown and uh, for Buffalo and a 9-0 deficit for the Chiefs in the uh, AFC championship. But once Hardeman got legs underneath him, you saw what he could do. He's little, he's another Tyreek Hill in waiting. Uh, if they sell out for Tyreek, Hardeman's going to burn him. Um, Tampa Bay's poorest pass defense all year long is there, is their Achilles Hill. Uh, Mahomes is not the player that you want to go up against in, in this situation. Um, I, you know, even if, again, let's say they stop Hill and they stop Hardeman, you got Travis Kelsey, and he is almost impossible to contain, especially on third-down possessions. I see Kansas City eating up plenty of clock, scoring at will. Uh, I Actually, guys, I don't have this as a close game. I have this as an old-timey Super Bowl blowout. 
I got the Chiefs 37 and I got the Bucks 13. Wow. Mm. <laughs> just insulting. Wow. All right. Wow. wow. All right. Well, it's been a little while since uh, we've had a Super Bowl championship here in Washington, but uh, nevertheless, we are the district of champions. Thanks to our other teams. Um, I, I do not see how the chiefs can lose this game. I don't see it. Okay. Wow. <laughs> but, would you give it a zero? Gotta, <laughs> some, some might say there's a 0.00% chance, but I, I got to say this. Look, this is actually, to me, going to be a lot more intriguing than it maybe I thought it was at first. The Bucks defense stopped Aaron Rodgers. They stopped Drew Brees. And before that, they had to stop the legend of Taylor Heineke, uh, Heineke, he- was that his name? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're talking about Saquon for a minute. Heineke, yeah, Heineken, Heineken, Heineken but Beer so, th- so that that's, I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at, right? I mean, stopping those quarterbacks. There's something about that defense. But then add in that the, there's some statistic I saw this week that Mahomes' stats when he's flushed and running are like better than. 85% of the quarterbacks in the NFL, like he might actually be better than himself when he's running and out of the pocket, but mix in that they're down a tackle. In fact, I think they're down both of their starting tackles from what they were thought they were going into the season. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, with the Mahomes stats, I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing for him. Maybe he's better when he's running all over the place. So I, I, I don't know. And, and then, for me, the home field advantage. You cannot, you cannot look at this too lightly. As what it means, these guys are home. They're in routine. They've got their wives looking over them. They got to be home every night. They're not out there partying like the Chiefs. The Chiefs are waiting to be anointed. I cannot see the Chiefs losing this game, but I'm going Bucks 39-33. Wow. Win? For the Bucks? For the Bucks. Ooh, I'm doing disgusting. it. Oh I can't. My God. I, wow. It, it doesn't. The, the brain says no way. The heart says that's where we're going. Wow. Hometown, hometown boy. It's all your right. week, Patrick. It's your what? week, Milk. We're all just living in it. What do you got? Gut, it's a gut feeling that I have. The Bucks are going to win it. Yeah. Let Hope me start off by saying how cool it is to be hosting the Super Bowl when your team is in it. This city is like completely come alive. It, it's all everything is set up down by the river, Hillsborough River that goes through downtown Tampa. We were down there yesterday, took the kids down there. I mean it's it's crazy. It's starting and it's it's really weird. And the Tom Brady, I mean it's supposed to be this you know completely equal uh, no bias towards home team, but I mean, it totally is. I mean, it's just buck stuff everywhere. So it's, it's been a pretty cool, um, it's going to be a cool week. Um, I go back to look, when I'm looking at two teams playing each other, my first thing is, did they play each other in the regular season? Yes, they did. Did we get dominated in that game? Yes. But really just in the first half, once we learned that you can't put Carlton Davis in man to man coverage, on Tyreek Hill and, you know, 
I go back to that at the end of the second quarter in that game when they showed Carlton Davis on the sideline literally about to cry. <laughs> like his head, his head down. I think at that point Tyreek Hill had backflipped into the end zone after his third TD. Um, and that pissed off our defense. And I will say in the second half of that game, we came back, we outscored him 17 to seven. We got to Mahomes. Uh, he felt, you know, he, we had a forced fumble on him. He threw two picks, two picks in the second half, both called back due to penalties. One was a stupid offsides that it didn't affect his throw or anything. And the second one was a late hit by JPP, which was a very questionable call. So we got to him, and that game completely changed the Bucks. We we went seven. We were seven and five after that game. The doubters came in. We went into a bye week. We have not lost since four in a row. Three now on the road in the playoffs. It's a different team. The, you know, this team is now gelling. The, the offense is gelling. The receivers are gelling with Brady. I mean, I think you saw that last week in the Packers game. I mean, just the timing was there, which was a huge problem, by the way, in the beginning of the season. He and Evans were not on the same page for most of the first half of the year. And you saw that in the first touchdown last game, just the timing of the jump, all of that. It's a different team. Um, I think this is going to be a really, really hard game, no doubt. Mahomes is unbelievable. Never going to question him. They've got Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. Their defense is okay. I mean, it's nothing, you know, spectacular. Um, but we're going to – it's going to be a battle. I think I think at the end, I think we're going to come – it's going to be close. I'm seeing a field goal. You know, I'm seeing a, a last-minute last – defensive stand, maybe an interception to, to close it out with a couple minutes remaining. But I see a, uh, I see like a, a, a 21 17 kind of outing here. Uh, obviously I'm going with the box. Wow. Wow. That is wow. That is low score. You know, very little about the word Kinahara or superstition. <laughs> You're toast. And does, and does the Jose Gaspar blow up if you guys win? <sighs> I'm going to be swimming out to it. <laughs> this is this is going to come to Ryan suck up, or no? Absolutely. Oh. And he kind of won. I mean, the, look what he did last last week. With, yeah. with a lot now, of does your team on. does your team thinking who who would be if there were was a spy on Mahomes? Who would be your spy on him? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe figure it out by Sunday. Okay. Somebody, somebody better figure it out. You're going to need it. Who's your backup quarterback? You're going to, you're going to put a spy on Mahomes and not Hill. Blaine Gabbert, man. Is it really Blaine Gabbert? It is Blaine Gabbert. I mean, backup quarterbacks. You don't want him in that game. Okay. Chad, Chad, Henny. <laughs> Chad Henney versus Blaine Gabbert. Yeah. <laughs> by the way, Winfield coming back. He'll be full strength. We lost him. Didn't have him in the Packers game. Uh, AB will be back. Although honestly, I'd re- I may rather have Scotty Miller than 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 him. Um, Whitehead will be back. We'll be at full strength. Defense about, wins about, championships. Defense wins championships. How about the head coaches, Andy Reid versus Bruce Arians, two uh, of your dinosaurs in the league? 
Who you got to get? Both high risk guys too. Advantage big red. Bison, I think this is mm. going to be like the Chris Smith uh, Super Bowl for the for the football team. Was that his name, Smith? No, Timmy Tim Smith. Smith. Timmy Tim Smith. Yeah, it's going to be. Yeah. They're going to run the ball. They're going to run it down their throats mm. and and control the clock. Don't discount Ronald Jones and Fournette. Yeah, that that, that combo has come alive. I do. I have a theory about how to stop this this home field advantage thing because it's real. I mean, this is really. Well, we're going to find out, I guess, how real it is. But I have a theory of how to stop it, right? So we you you rotate between the East Coast, the Central, and the West Coast. And you play the East Coast games in Jacksonville whenever you have to go there for a Super Bowl. You play the Central games in Dallas whenever you have to go there for a Super Bowl. And you play in L.A. whenever you have to go there for a Super Bowl. That will assure that there will never be another team playing in their home stadium again because none of those three teams are going to a Super Bowl for a long, <laughs> oh, long don't time. Don't ever play again. Oh, yeah. Okay. Wow. Let me just wow. ask you this. How many of you guys are excited about the weekend playing the halftime show? Is that okay. – I thought that the, band? The, Super that Bowl, band? the Super Bowl pl- takes place on the weekend, right? And it takes place on the weekend, and it's the halftime show. Is that is that like an old boy band? Who is who's the weekend? <laughs> oh my god! Pope definitely doesn't know. Don't ask Pope. Definitely no. doesn't know. <laughs> if oh, it's no. not Pete Townsend or Springsteen, I don't know who the shoes play. Yeah. So, Toby, I I do think that since it came up, uh, uh, Andy Reid, and you gave the advantage to him, you would know because you're you're an Eagles fan, and uh, I I do have to. I mean. How are you feeling about your head coach this week? First of all, I'm still not sure I know his name. Does anybody know his name? I, I don't know his name. Reek. After that I, press conference, I think his name is Reek. You know, you guys know how they do that thing the at Clapper the NFL. Junior. You know how they do that thing at the NFL Combine for the players, and they do the Wonderlick test to see if these guys have any smarts so they can play in the NFL? Apparently, they don't give that to coaches. I mean, no. this this guy, um, that press conference uh, made me want to hide under my desk. I I mean, th- unfortunately, our owner has this huge thing. Jeff Lurie has this whole huge thing on the EQ, you know, the emotional quotient of a coach. That's how you relate to today's players. He might have an EQ off the charts. I'm not sure he has an IQ. He's a numbnut. You, you know? You know who he's you know who he reminds me exactly of? Jim Zorn. You remember the Jim Zorn experiment in Washington? I mean, look, they started out like six and two. Everyone, the guy was trying to do fight songs in the locker room, and the players were looking at him like he was nuts. And it went really south really fast after that. And, and but that is exactly who I was thinking about watching that presser. I was like, oh, this is Jim Zord. This is going to be I, I, a lot of fun for me. I'm looking forward to it. I'll just say this. In case any of our listeners didn't hear week two, go back and listen to the rooster on week two and the NFL's race problem. And you'll understand, you know, there are a lot of coaches who right now should be pretty damn pissed off that they didn't get a sh- crack at this because this guy was a joke. Jim Zorn with about one tenth of the public speaking ability. Yeah, yeah. All right. Any any uh, last last words on the Super Bowl, Milk? You got anything? I mean, it's it's your funeral, man. I just want to somehow get in the stadium and and not leverage my kids' college education doing it. The prices right, so- are 
The COVID-related prices are uh, are ridiculous. So for our listener out there, if you have access to the Super Bowl, call Patrick. He's dying to get it. <laughs> Y'all set up a GoFundMe. Oh, that's a brilliant idea. I'll put get five Pat- in. Get Patrick dollars. to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yep. Put put me down for twenty bucks. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Anyone all of our listeners pitch in, I'll have about four hundred bucks. Look, I, <laughs> yeah. I I may have predicted a blowout for the Chiefs, but I'm I'm pulling for my buddy Milk's bucks. Thanks, buddy. Uh, if we have to come back and do a podcast with Patrick celebrating a Super Bowl win, ah, uh, I don't know. You're maybe a stand in next Monday for the if we win that game. If I some if, I, if I'm alive. <laughs> There may be a stand-in guest for me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and this is what I was talking about last week. Can't you just be happy for your friend? Ugh. I'm happy for his children. Oh. I, I picked them. I picked 37, them. 13 Chiefs. That's all I heard. That's wow. right. All right, House. On to better coaches out of the Philadelphia area. Yeah. So, uh, listen, I'm really hoping – that we don't get in this habit on this uh, podcast of pouring one out for great ones. But I think the coaching fraternity really lost a great one this week. One that's a little bit under the radar, but John Chaney, the longtime coach of the Temple Owls, died this week at the age of 89. And um, a lot of folks say that amongst the Black coaches of NCAA basketball, there's kind of uh, this triumvirate of John Thompson and Nolan Richardson and John Chaney as the greats. And, you know, if you don't know Temple University, it's basically a commuter school. It's a commuter school with a lot of minorities. They don't have a great recruiting ability Um, ever since the Nova championship team of you know, the eighties, they didn't have the uh, ability to recruit the very best. And Cheney took um, kids that were, you know, afterthoughts for other teams and he made them incredible. He is a, he was inducted into the college basketball hall of fame into the pro basketball hall of fame. There's some pretty unbelievable uh, stats about Cheney. He had um, seven Atlantic 10 reg- regular season championships. He had nine players to win the Atlantic 10 player of the year. He had 16 NBA players to play, pl- played at Temple under him. He had 17 NCAA tournament appearances during an 18-year stretch. That's pretty unbelievable. From 1984 to, to 2001, he missed the NCAAs one year, including in that was five trips to the Elite Eight. I think most Philadelphians are uh, are upset that Cheney never got that Final Four, but he had a, a, a basically a matchup zone defense that was killer. He loved to win ugly. He loved to coach kids about life as much as he did about basketball. His players are unbelievably loyal to him, and um, you know, in terms of losses that we've had in the Philadelphia sports arena. This was a big one. This was a big, big, big one this week. And I think it's not just for for Philadelphia, but really for college basketball and for the sport of basketball. I, I hope his stories, his coaching style 
will be remembered and will be passed on. The current coach of Temple now is one of his greats, Aaron McKee. And I really hope Aaron McKee carries out his legacy and carries on the name of John Chaney. So today the SMQBs are, are pouring one out for John Chaney. John Chaney. Boy, he was always a tough out in the NCAAs. I can tell you as a Tar Heel, we had a couple big games against him and regional final uh, Temple almost beat Carolina to go to the final four. So much respect. Pour one out. All right. Well, you're right, Dad. Toby, I hope we're not having to do that every week for sure, because it's, uh, you know, it's it's sad. You do. You lose these uh, these icons and uh, we've lost two in two weeks. That's for sure. Um, so, Rooster, you want to talk a little Major League Baseball Hall of Fame? Yeah, let me get started. Um, you know, there's been a lot of controversy lately about the fact that there were no members selected this year to the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, because of baseball's past with things like the Black Sox scandal, the criteria for picking uh, a player to be in the Hall of Fame goes way beyond statistics and, and performance. The electors um, are supposed to consider the player's ability, integrity, sportsmanship, character, and contribution to the teams on which the player played. And it's the character clause that has been in the news really every year since the um, steroid scandal. Uh, when, about, I don't know, maybe three, four years ago, Joe Morgan, the great Hall of Famer um, from the Big Red Machine, wrote on, to the Hall of Fame and said that the official position of the players who are already in the Hall of Fame is that steroid users cheated and don't belong here. And that concrete position was pretty much uh, the, the position that the writers took and kept out a lot of these guys like Bonds, who certainly had the stats to be in, and Roger Clements. And again, this year, Bonds and Clements were left off, and they were pretty quiet about it because they've, they've been seeing this going on for years, and, and there's no point in speaking up. The problem is there was a third guy on the ballot this year who um, didn't doesn't nearly have the statistics of Bonds or Clements, but was a marginal ca candidate based on his uh, his playing days. Kurt Schilling, and unlike Bonds and Clements, Kurt Schilling hasn't stayed quiet about it. He's been whining and crying about maybe he's uh, a victim of cancel culture. Uh, the writers don't like him, and he says it's because of his politics. Well. I just, uh, to that, I say it, he's just flat out wrong. Um, you know, we know that Kurt Schilling is a Trump supporter, and that's not why he's not in the Hall of Fame. And proof, proof number one, the proof in the pudding is Mariano Rivera. Uh, two years ago, Mariano Rivera, it was the only person in the history of the Hall of Fame who was elected unanimously. Um, Mario, Mariano is a uh, Republican and is an outspoken Trump supporter, uh, has been to the White House as recently as last year um, to accept the uh, Medal of Freedom Award. Um, if, the, if, Mariano, if Mariano's election were held tomorrow, he would still be a unanimous inductee. It has nothing to do with Kurt Schilling's politics. It has to do with things like um, in 2016, 
he tweeted out an endorsement of beheading journalists that he didn't like. Uh, he, he ripped off a bunch of kids and the state of Rhode Island on some scam video game deal a few years ago. Um, without having any of the facts, he called out Adam Jones, the, the uh, center fielder for the Orioles, who claimed he was hearing racial slurs from the stands. And he called Adam Jones a liar without knowing anything about it. And then last month, he tweeted his support for the treasonous mob that invaded our capital. So those aren't political. That's not politics. Those are anti-American stands that Kurt takes. And he's just a jerk. I mean, people don't like him. And we all get judged every day based on our character. So why should it be any different for Kurt Schilling? Um, but it's this is a bigger picture than Kurt Schilling. Uh, I've had my say on Kurt Schilling. I've never liked him. Uh, I think that the bloody sock thing was a fake. Um, but anyway, the fact that he's a Red Sox has nothing to do with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know. There was a bigger picture, Mister Yankee. I come down on. I would rather. I would rather stick with the Joe Morgan approach and have more of a black and white rule, but. I, I acknowledge that there is some room for some nuance in this. And for example, Pete Rose, never, it's never been shown that Pete Rose bet on a game that he played in. Um, it, we should talk about it. Should Pete Rose be in the hall of fame? I think he should play it in or manage played in. Played it, but definitely managed. Well, he was a player manager. For he was a, a player manager. Yeah. yeah, right. But he definitely bet on games he when then, he was managing. Okay, well, let's talk about that. But let me throw out some topics for us, and then I'll turn it over. As long as he uh, bet to win. David Ortiz versus A. Rod. Ortiz's name gets mentioned in the 2003 Mitchell Report, but he's never been formally accused of using steroids, and in fact, no one from the league ever told him he's tested positive for steroids. Whereas A-Rod was suspended for 211 games for steroid use and continued to lie about it in the face of tremendous ev evidence. Um, then you got the Bonds-McGuire-Sosa thing. You know, my, I have kids who are in their late 20s and early 30s, and that was the most exciting time in baseball for them because that generation didn't really follow baseball. They were following all kinds of other sports like lacrosse. They thought baseball was boring. And the whole Bonds, I mean, the whole McGuire-Sosa thing, particularly Sammy Sosa's happy-go-lucky, you know, personality, made baseball fun for them. Um, but I have to tell you, I'm okay with keeping McGuire and, bon and Sosa out because I believe that but for them juicing and hitting all those home runs, they would not – be Hall of Fame material. On the other hand, Bonds, who was a surly guy and no one really likes, Bonds had a Hall of Fame career before he ever decided he was going to juice and chase those two for home runs. Um, when he was a skinny kid playing for the Pirates and an MVP, multiple MVP, he was a Hall of Fame player. Um, like I say, there's some nuance there. Uh, I'd be happy saying none of them get in because they cheated. But if you're going to make the argument, I'd make it for Rose and Bonds. What do you think, Chris? You're a baseball guy. 
I think so. I have a couple takes on this. I mean, first of all, I think it's sad. It's sad for the game and it's sad for the country to have a year where you don't have anybody going into the hall. And it just, again, shows uh, the, the shadow that steroids continues to cast over the game, even all these years after uh, after the reckoning that baseball had with it. Um, and, you know, I, I, you know, there's always the argument that taking steroids doesn't help you uh, to hit a baseball, to make contact with a baseball. Of course, the flip side of that is, what a lot of what a lot of uh, old players will tell you is that yeah, but you sure didn't have the dog days of summer when when guys uh, who weren't using steroids were getting tired in August and into September and wearing down. The guys who were using never had that. So uh, so you certainly had an advantage uh, for them. But but I want to I want to shift a little bit. I think one of the interesting things, and it's particularly about shilling it kind of highlights a change in the way people look at baseball statistics, right? If you look at the old school stats like wins and ERA, Schilling's probably not a very good candidate to go into the, into the hall, right? right? Like 216 wins and a 3.46 ERA. That's not good enough to get into the hall of fame. It's just not. Used to be 300 was the cutoff. That's right. But but then if you look at some of the advanced metrics, okay, and, and I will tell you as much as I love baseball and pay attention, I can never remember what all this stuff is because I'm not a math guy. But you have things like ERA plus, right, which adjusts for the ballparks. I mean, Schilling spent a big part of his career in Fenway. All right. That's not exactly a pitcher friendly ballpark to be thrown in. He had a 127 ERA plus which is better than 42 guys who are in the hall. Mm. Okay. And, and I think if I did my research, right, it's, it's like, he's only like right behind uh, Clemens on his ERA plus. So, you know, Clemens, again, going back to the steroid thing, but a guy who's looked at as a dominant, dominant pitcher, clearly he was a dominant pitcher. And Schilling is like right behind him from that era. So you've got you got a lot going on here with how we value a player. You know, what statistics do you look at? How much does the steroid era come into play? And then overall, these character trait things. It's just it's just such a mixed bag right now. And that's that's sad for baseball because baseball was that sport that you were supposed to be able to look back and look at statistics and be able to compare players from every generation against each other and have a clear sense of them. And I think we're going through a really challenging time in how we gauge players versus players. And it may be, you know, look, baseball was the only sport where where we did that, right? Where we really felt like we could compare a guy playing in 2021 to Babe Ruth and have a fair idea of, of how they stacked up against each other. Maybe those days are over. For sports and, and maybe it ended with the steroid era, but uh, the, you know, the, the Kurt Schilling thing and the hall of fame this year in general is just, it's just an interesting topic for a lot of different reasons. Pope, what do you think? I mean, I think that as time goes on, uh, it appears that from a steroid standpoint, you might have um, a dichotomy in thought about 
before 2004 and after 2005, because before 2005, there wasn't mandatory testing. And so a lot of the players who were alleged to have done steroids, it was more uh, hearsay, you know, that they uh, came up in a report, but there were no positive tests. Uh, And then after 2005, you know, players were on notice that if they violated the Major League Baseball steroid policy, they would probably never get in the Hall of Fame, regardless of how great they were, uh, including, you know, breaking the all-time home run and and breaking the season record for home runs. Uh, the guy we've already talked about, who was a skinny little P- Pittsburgh Pirate, and then he bulked up and became the San Francisco giant beast that he was, uh, knocking him out um, into uh, McCovey Cove. So I think that as time goes on, though, you know, you might see a Rafi Palmero, believe it or not, get relooked at. Even he disqualified almost in within the third year of voting, yet less than five percent. But you know, he it was just alleged he was never. It was Jose Canseco who said that he did it. He saw him do it, but there, there were no positive tests for Palmero. You talk about Mister Consistency. I mean, he's got the numbers uh, that just jump out at you for not being in the hall. So, um, it'll be interesting as we see the next three or four classes, uh, come in, are, are we going to have a hard line test or are we maybe going to go back and take a look, whether it's the veterans committee or, uh, you know, the end of the nine or 10 year, maybe take a look at some of these guys who we automatically excluded. Maybe they, uh, maybe they get another, another look-see. Guys, I, I think we need to get our press agents ready because I've got a world premiere announcement to solve all of this. So I, I hope you guys are ready to make a lot, a lot of money for the SMQBs, open up our bar restaurant, our apparel series. The Baseball Hall of Fame, just so we're clear, is supposed to be a history museum and a Hall of Fame. And I'm telling you, I've long felt this ever since the steroid era. They need to go to Cooperstown and build a big wing with a giant asterisk over the door. I'm not kidding you. I think the Baseball Hall of Fame should have an asterisk wing in the Hall of Fame. And you should have Clemens. Well, it could be for other. You could have Betters. You could have Shoeless Joe Jackson. You could have Pete Rose, Roger Clemens, Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco, Barry Bonds, Pete Rose, Sammy Sosa, Rafael Palmero. These guys otherwise, you know, Rooster mentioned about Bonds and his numbers. Through 1998, Bonds batted 290 with 411 home runs, 445 steals, and already had eight gold gloves. Before he took roids, he was a Hall of Fame player. Multiple, Multiple MVPs. You know, R- Rafi had 3,020 hits, 569 home runs. They need to let the fans come in and see the story of these players. And if the players don't want to be in because they don't want the humiliation of having an asterisk because of their story, then they can say, don't put me in that wing. But I think fans should go and hear not only their stats, but their story of what the allegation is or facts are. Well, many, another, another I, issue is who decides – who decides whether a player goes in the asterisk wing? Uh, like uh, Big Poppy is the example I used. There was never, there's never been a positive test, and there's never been a public accusation. There was a rumor that he was listed in the Mitchell report. And after that, that was in 2003. After that, 
He was the, the hero of the 2004 and 2007 World Series when he was clearly being tested all the time, as opposed to A-Rod, who, when he came back from his suspension, his performance fell off dramatically to the point where he was benched. Yeah, A-Fraud belongs in the Astros swing. Here are the best. members, by the way, of the 3,000-hit 500 home run club. Hank Aaron, Alex Rodriguez, Willie Mays, Rafael Palmero, Eddie Murray, and Albert Pujols. That's it. Unbelievable. And and two of those guys, you know, aren't won't go in on, under current, you know, circumstances. So, but on, on the other hand, what do you say to guys like Eddie Murray and Ken Griffey Jr., who never cheated and were awesome? Um, I, I agree. There needs to be an asterisk swing. It needs to be put in context, just like we were talking about before these monuments all came down here in Richmond, that maybe that was an alternative, put up some context. There's got to be context for all this because they cannot be treated the same as Ken Griffey Jr. That's just not fair to Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah. Uh, I want to get back to Schilling for a second because he's, I mean, he just encompasses how complicated this whole issue is. Uh, How many, he's one of, and this is the entire history of Major League Baseball, 18 pitchers to have 3,000 strikeouts. One of 18. Do you know how many are in the Hall of Fame right now? 14. Do you know the four not in the Hall of Fame? Verlander's one. He's still playing. Clemens. Clemens is not getting in or whatever. Uh, Sabathia and Kurt Not eligible yet. Not a, but yeah, who's not eligible. Um, I think he had the third most 300 strikeout seasons in history of Major League Baseball. And I think he's got the best postseason record, right? Does have a good postseason record. 11 and 2, something like that. Yeah. So I think the postseason that he and Randy Johnson has one of the most dominating postseasons in baseball history. I mean, the the strikeout thing, I mean, that's crazy. He's going to end up, he and Clemens are going to end up being the two guys out on that. Okay. But Patrick, but but that's a fair point. And, and then to bring it back to Rooster's original point, though, that Schilling is complicated. He could go either way. I think what makes so many people just hate him is when he comes out and pens a letter then and says, ah, screw you. Yeah. If you're not going to vote me in, I don't want you voting on me next time anyway. Right. I mean, don't take your ball and go home. You're, you should probably be in, okay? He should probably be in. But when you act like a jerk, when you don't get in, it just highlights all the other things that people want to point to. Yeah. So, you know. I don't know. I, I just want to say this. If someone during the World War II era was a Hall of Fame baseball player and it came out that they were sending money to the Nazis – should they be in the Hall of Fame? I think not. And when Kurt no, Schilling but- publicly supports the raid on our government to overthrow our government, to me, that's enough under the character clause to say I- this is America's sport. This is I'm not- pretty sure. I- 
listen, it's complicated. I'm pretty sure Babe Ruth wouldn't make it in under the characters clause. Maybe yeah. he wouldn't, but, <laughs> but, we, but we don't. Yeah, yeah because yeah, he drank a lot of beer. Big deal. Probably Cobb, Ty Cobb, wouldn't either. No. Oh yeah. We're, we're talking about for today. various we're reasons. We're talking about last month. Kurt Schilling backed the insurrectionists. So, do, hell I, by the way, do, does anybody Twitter here say that? All. Just, just so we know, with our our votes, does anybody? And since we all should get a vote to every Hall of Fame in every sport, of course, we should. Sports knowledge. Why wouldn't we? Do and who who among us vote Kurt Schilling in? I'm a no. I'm a no. I'm a hard no. I'm torn. I'd like to see him on the ballot one more year. I. I'm. I think his performance absolutely. He should be in the Hall of Fame. He was never but an ace. You can't discount the other stuff. So I don't. He was know. Never the ace of a team that he was on. I disagree. He with was that. eleven and two in the postseason. He was. He, he, he was with, an ace. No, he, he was wasn't. not. Not on the Red Sox. He's not on the Phillies. And and uh, well, not, I. I, I think he's the he's the most punchable face of all the Hall of Fame. Elders. I was going <laughs> to say. I think we know if if Rooster had a punchable face uh, nominee this week, who his would be. But I think Pope, it's uh, it's your turn for the for the nominee for punchable face. And it's boy, you know, it's pretty easy. Uh, over the weekend, if you follow golf at all, oh uh, boy, Tory Pines, <laughs> uh, one of the best tournaments of the year. Great great field and captain America raised his ugly head again. And you know, who I'm talking about Patrick Reed, uh, you know, the star of a few Ryder cup teams, president's cup teams, self-styled captain America. Uh, but he's got a reputation guys, as we all know, um, that he doesn't play by the rules. Uh, he has been alleged to be a cheater from college all the way through this weekend, uh, in college, uh, he hit a ball that was supposedly pretty far out in the rough and he came up to it. This is at Georgia came up to a ball that was closer to the fairway and uh, was about to play it. When one of his teammates called him on it, said, once you look at that ball and it wasn't his ball. So, you know, we have a friend like that, don't we? Yeah, we do. So, uh, he's already predisposed to be, do, to do what he did last year. Um, and this is a huge no, no, he's in a waste bunker at a tournament and he improves the lie by taking his club twice in a backswing and improving the sand behind it. So he's got a little, uh, little pocket so he can clip it easily and get up and down for par yesterday, excuse me, this weekend, uh, he hit a ball out of the bunker, uh, and it went left and it hit once it bounced up and it went into the deep, deep rough and out at Torrey Pines. Since we've uh, actually the quarterbacks have played out there, we know how deep that rough is. It's a one shot penalty just to get out of there. And with tournament rough, it's even worse. It's brutal. So, what, what does he do? He walks up, he takes a look at the ball, he asked a volunteer, he said, Do you see it bounce? The volunteer said, I didn't see it. So, he goes in and grabs the ball, pulls it out of what he claimed would be the embedded area, and, and he tells the his fellow players that the ball was embedded and he has a rules official come over and confirm that the ball was embedded. Uh, and then he gets a free drop and lo and hold, he gets up and down for a par goes on to win by five strokes, all kinds of controversy, right? Everyone, Nick Faldo, Jim Nance, uh, Frank Nabilo, 
all of the commentators, all of the golf world basically said, you don't go in and grab a ball when it's a questionable call. You bring the rules official over first. It's just the way that golf is played. It's a gentleman's game. It's by honor. You make sure you get a rules official over there to make sure the ball is actually embedded. Okay. He didn't do that. The PGA exonerated him. They said he did it by the book. Well, he may have done it by the book, but everyone knows that he already has a propensity to cheat. And all he had to do was call the rules official over and he could have cleared the issue up without going the next step. So, you know, Patrick Reed is a serial cheater. And unfortunately, as Rick Riley, who wrote a book on uh, the former president, who is a known serial cheater uh, in golf, says you can tell a character of a man by the way he plays golf and the way he conducts himself on the golf course. There is no question in my mind that Patrick Reed is not a gentleman and he deserves my punch of the week. Bam. No. Wow. No, no, no. <laughs> wow. No. Wow. I disagree. And I don't understand the controversy on this. The official, the official came over and the official could have said to him, you moved the ball before I looked at it. You can't do that and assess the penalty. That's what should have happened. I mean, everybody's acting like what he did was wrong, except for the part where you say the PGA exonerated him and said he did it by the book. This is media-driven drama to have a villain, a bad guy on the tour. And Reed, I mean, he's a jerk, and he fits that mold. He's an easy person to not like. But I don't get this. I don't understand when the official came over and and I look, there's a difference between the volunteer who he said, did you see my ball bounce? Did you see it land? And, and, you know, we've all seen the video. There's a difference between the volunteer and the official who he calls over, who at that point in time could have said, what, what are you doing? You don't move the ball before I come over here and assess the penalty. So, you know, if anybody's got a black eye this week, to me, it's the PGA. It's not, it's not, it's not Reed. Well, I, Chris, you said it. It's the it's he's the villain. But who do you think benefits from him being the villain? The PGA has figured out that they're never going to get another Tiger Woods. So how are they going to get ratings? One way is to have a villain. They like Patrick Reed as the villain. And I think the PGA is all over this for him being the villain for ratings reasons. And when that official came over, the ball was already long gone from this hole. And then Reed gaslights him and says, here, stick your finger in here and you just feel that there's a lip or a ridge. I mean, come on. You're right. That official should have grown a pair and said, no, 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 no. This isn't right because it isn't right. He is a cheater. Not only is he a cheater, he got kicked off the Georgia team after one year for, for stealing. So the guy's a bum. Forget about the PGA. Forget about the PGA. Except for me, we're all a bunch of hacks here on this <laughs> podcast. And when, when I, when wow. I'm, when I'm in Ireland, the gorse. When I'm playing golf with you guys, if you, you have a question, I, I expect milk. I expect you to say to me, "Hey, house, I, 
listen, do I get relief here? I think my ball's embedded. Because if you moved it, yes, I'm going to give you on your honor, but I'm going to think, I'm going to think, I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be like, he moved his ball. He didn't even give me the chance. It's just, it doesn't have to be the PGA. It is a game of honor. The guy moved the ball. He's a cheat. He's a cheat. And I want to punch him in the face too. Yeah. I mean, and all, by the way, this guy, he's completely hated on the PGA tour. It's so obvious. I mean, these, all these players are being nice in their quotes, but you can just tell. I mean, I, from what I hear, I did, I think he won, did they win one or two national championships? At, where did he Augusta end up? State. Augusta State. Yeah, I think his players, his, his got the guys on the team hate him now, and he won two national championships for them. I mean, his, I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, uh, he got lucky here because he didn't break the rule or whatever, but it's just, the, I mean, you got that much heat on you and that much background. You go and ask an official before you do anything. Hey guys, can it's I put an early absurd. chip in? Can I can I put an early chip in for next week to punch Tom Brady's face? Can I just put that down now? Absolutely. No. But if the Bucks win, <laughs> you punch your face. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see you oh, guys. Big, big or, week. Uh, we got a big week ahead. I mean, Patrick, your life your life could change. By the time we do this next this next week, you you could be a Super Bowl champion. I mean, Super not you, Bowl, but two-time Super Bowl champion. Let's not forget. It's gonna no be more a long, than long week. No more than five white claws for you next week. Wait, wait, weekend, wait, wait. That's important. Hold on, though. We can't. We got to end. We we got a couple seconds here. There is a lot riding on this because if you do win, then that means only one SMQB. Is in the solo Super Bowl club. That's correct. Oh, this, yeah. oh wow. That's, that's a true. big, a big thing. Wow. House, wow. you're gonna be left behind. I mean, there's a there's more at reason for you to root for Kansas City. Are we counting Trent Dilfer and Brad Johnson? <laughs> or whatever who win is we, win, baby. Listen, I mean you either have did we count Derek Bryce. Nick, you either are have we counting. Are we counting two nine and seven Monday victories Barber? from Eli? John nine Lynch? and seven teams yeah. with Eli? You only you either have multiple Super Bowls or you don't. Win. Yeah, it's kind win. of a black and white thing. Yeah, yeah. It, they're All coming. Right. They're All coming right. with that, Nick Sirianni. This just raised <laughs> this up the ante now. I love it. All right, good luck. Milk. All right, good luck. Good luck, Milk. Good luck, Milk. Right, See y'all everybody. next week. Everyone be good. <laughs>